Someone wrote a whole book, but it may be too much, so we'll break it down fast, cause you're in a rush. It's Dustin and Katie can brief. <laughs> Dustin and Katie can brief. Word. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Katie. And this is Dustin. And you're listening to Dustin and Katie can brief. Yes. And this month, I have a little treat for you. Since we have Friday the 13th this month, I decided to read the first book in the Camp Crystal Lake Friday the 13th series, which came out in the mid-90s by Eric Morse. Awesome. Yes, this one's called Mother's Day. Okay, and I have the book right here. And the cover is uh, somebody, I'm assuming a girl because the legs look pretty smooth, walking (laughs) through a graveyard and there's a hand coming out of the ground, like going to grab her ankles. And the tag on the cover is Jason's back, and he wants his mommy. Now, I will tell you that this cover isn't lying to you. Something similar happens, but I'm not going to tell you all the details, obviously, right now. But um, it's a pretty decent cover as far as at least a, a clip of what something happens in the book. Okay, cool. And here's the back of the book. The Legend of Camp Crystal Lake. Once there was a boy named Jason Voorhees who drowned at summer camp when the counselors weren't watching. First, his mother got revenge. Then Jason rose from the grave. And now, everyone knows you can't kill a legend, but a legend can kill you. So, then specifically about this book, Mother's Day. Billy Boone and his friends were fearless. Why else would they go camping at Crystal Lake? They had heard all the gruesome stories about Jason, and they knew why Jason wore a hockey mask. Jason had a face only a mother could love. But there are a few things Boone and his friends don't know about Jason. Like, whatever happened to his mother's decapitated head? How did his hockey mask get into the hands of a local hunter? And why is the hunter trying to kill every teenager at the camp? Because it's Mother's Day. And Jason's mom doesn't want flowers or candy. She wants corpses. Gee. <laughs> All right. a perfect gift for Mrs. Voorhees. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So anytime while I'm going through this, there's going to be so many... Like, cliche Friday the 13th moments that I really had to keep them all in. So, anytime you hear anything you think might be coming up, if you want to go, you know, anytime you want to, just (laughs) go for it. I don't care. I'll tell you whether or not it's the right moment, but if if you want to do it for fun. Well, I mean, for the most part, I'm just going to sit here with my can of rosé bubbly and uh, let you talk to me about this book. Tell me all about it. Okay. So, we open with a prologue, and it's a redneck hunter, and he's stalking a deer in the woods. He trips on a large white rock and it startles the deer and he misses the shot. He kicks the rock in frustration and realizes it must be a grave marker, perhaps an old victim of the legendary Jason Voorhees. He smells a rare opportunity and starts digging until he finds a small cardboard box and its contents make him scream. Chapter 1. We meet Carly, presumably the final girl of the book. Carly is friends with Boone, full name Billy Boone. Boone is a party guy and a 20-year-old high school dropout. He reminds me of Hyde from that 70s show. He's pulling pranks and throwing parties at high school after hours, stuff like that. Boone tells her he's taking her camping overnight tomorrow after she gets out of school. It's a great campground only two and a half hours away. Crystal Lake. Red red flag. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. It's made clear that they are not actually dating, just hanging out. Rumor has it she's too much of a goody-two-shoes for him, so he stays back. He tells Carly that he invited the French exchange student slash resident bimbo, Monique. So not Fez. No. Okay. Sexy jock Paul Sexton 
which is an appropriate last yeah. name. And Paul's college roommate. Um, hippie couple. Hippie couple. <laughs> Let me just repeat that. They're- hippie couple, Kyle and Suzanne, who are attached at the hip, which is funny. Huh. Hippie, hippie. Anyway, Suzanne is Carly's good friend. Boone points out that she doesn't drive and doesn't know how to swim. Her mother is so overprotective, she just has to get out of the house and live a little. She, she doesn't have a license. She doesn't know how to drive. She can't swim. There's a lot of things her mom wouldn't let her do. It, it sounds like camp may not be the place for this chick. I know. What the hell? Why are you yeah. taking her there? It's a secluded place. Anyway, yeah. Carly's an only child whose father had died in a car accident when she was two. So that kind of explains the overprotectiveness right. of the mother. So Boone says that Paul really wants to see her, which she suspects is a lie. He's trying to get her to go. And she's still unsure if she can convince her mom. They'll be gone over the weekend, and Sunday is Mother's Day after all. But Boone says that he will call her mother and he can convince her. So her mom is this overprotective. Yes. And yet she's going to let her daughter go to camp for the weekend with a bunch of people that she probably doesn't know over Mother's Day? Uh, until Mother's Day, at least. Okay. So like, I kind of call bullshit. But he must be a very good liar. Yeah. So back to the hunter. He's been hearing a voice from whatever is in the box. It tells him to steal a backhoe from a construction site, drive to a specific house near the lake, and dig. He digs deep, and then the voice tells him to stop with the backhoe and dig manually. After digging through the hole, through worms and snakes and some weird yellow vapor that comes up, he finds Jason's hockey mask. He puts it on, and he's engulfed with the power of hatred. Jason's spirit is taking over. There's always a weird vapor, isn't there? There's always a vapor. Yeah. They don't really tell you why. It's just, it's there. It's it's the evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. The yeah. evil is escaping. Later, Carly is getting ready to leave and her mother is worried, as usual. Somehow, Boone convinced her mother to let her go. And to let Paul pick her up. This boy she's never met. Okay. Mom tells her to be careful as she gets in the car. Actual good parents are treated as paranoid schizos in these books. Always. Always. <laughs> be par- and they're like, why is she so protective? She keeps telling me to be careful. I'm like, because she's a good mom and she cares about you. I don't understand. Anyway, so she meets Paul's fat roommate, Albert. Told you, there's all these stereotypical <laughs> characters and everything in these books. And she has an immediate distaste for him. Paul degrades Albert by calling him Big Fella. And I just know that Albert's going to be this bumbling moron killed early on. Of course, yeah. You know. Paul's kind of a douche, but Carly's horny for him, so whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> They'll all meet up. Monique is a French bimbo that catches Paul's attention, much to Carly's dismay. Do they actually call her a bimbo? In no, the but I keep calling her that because okay. that's what she seems like to me. Okay. She just seems like, oh, and everything she says is like this, you know, and it's just so typical. So she's a poodle. Yeah. Gotcha. total. And so Kyle and Suzanne, the hippies, are the stereotypical with a, you know, a VW van and tie-dye clothes, <laughs> among other things. There's no mention of drugs, but come on, there's drugs involved. <laughs> oh, there's definitely drugs. There's totally to- with these two involved. So on the drive to Crystal Lake, Carly and Albert bond over their fear of driving and swimming, much to Paul's disapproval. So now she's kind of warming up to Albert. They stop at a gas station, and Carly decides to phone her worried mother. Meanwhile, a few miles from the gas station, a local married couple is folding laundry on their porch. Like you do. Yeah. The husband is worried about Joe Travers, a local poacher. He hasn't been able to get a hold of Joe, and he went by his house and there was a handmade Mother's Day card on the table. Only, 
Joe's mom has been dead for years. So this is the hunter, clearly. Obviously. Right. Joe is the hunter. They both talk about the badness that happened in the area before, all the Jason Voorhees stuff. Right. And how it feels like something is off. Then someone shoots them both in the face with a rifle. Like you do. I mean, that's what you get for folding your laundry on your porch, y'all. Yeah, you, you know, nothing good comes get some, of it. Uh, get, some, get a dryer. Yeah. Get a dryer. Go inside. <laughs> Back to the gas station. Boone finally tells everyone about the Crystal Lake death curse. It spooks the ladies and Albert, who Carly refuses to make fun of now that they become friends. He tells them basically the history of the Voorhees story, starting with Jason's mother getting her head chopped off, and then Jason constantly returning from the grave to avenge their deaths. Carly gets mad at Boone for withholding the story from her, but feels better when Paul holds her close and says he'll protect her. Of course. Jeez. And then a portly local named Ned Varner shows up. He owns the gas station and guesses they are there to see Jason Voorhees. However, he says that Jason is long gone. They even say he went to hell. (laughs) So obviously this takes place after Jason goes to hell. Yes. Ned even confirms the legend that he kept coming back from the grave. But he got sucked down to hell through a gateway that is now closed. They mention they need directions to the camp and he warns them not to push their luck. And Paul goes all alpha male, literally puffing his chest out, and tells him to stop trying to scare them and to let them use the restroom and buy some Cokes. <laughs> but didn't he just tell them that Jason's gone, he's in hell, so why... I'm confused. I, don't, I know, it's so weird. Stop trying to scare us. <laughs> anyway, and so Carly's still hot for Paul. So later they arrived at the deserted Camp Crystal Lake, booms hyped up and to Carly's amusement. Albert is being all wimpy and scared about poison ivy that he, he, you know, the second he leaves the car, he asks Paul where they'll be staying. And Paul says he wants to be alone in a cabin further in the woods, winking at Carly. I'm like, ugh, whatever. Then he flirts with Monique. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, hey, he just wants to keep his options open. I mean, my God. And Carly wonders if he's just playing them both. Yes. Clearly. Yes, he is. Yes. Monique enters a cabin and screams. Turns out, spoiled Monique can't stand how dirty the cabins are. I roll. <laughs> exactly what you just did. I knew that was going to happen. It's, it's <laughs> camping. Oh, my God. It's I not know. a hotel. I can't. This is so dirty for me. The guys make fun of her, but Carly comes to her defense, even if she is competition for Paul. She decides to bunk with Monique while Suzanne goes off with Kyle to find a cabin, vowing to return right away. But they don't. Right. Of course not. Yeah. A few minutes later, Boone gives a tour of the campgrounds. Paul and Carly share a moment, taking in the sounds of the woods. They lean in for a kiss, and Albert interrupts. Worried because they fell behind. Cockblocker. (laughs) (laughs) Most everyone starts to complain because there's no electricity or running water. Boone gets disappointed and offended and ticked off. He angrily collects supplies for a campfire. Also, Albert doesn't get that he's a mood killer with Carly and Paul. Are these people not aware of what rustic camping is? I know. I don't understand any of this. Anyway, so Albert won't leave any of these guys alone. The fire burns nicely and Albert wonders, where's Kyle and Suzanne? Paul and Boone say they're probably humping like bunnies, Mm. but the pair show up just then. They look disheveled, so obviously they were humping like bunnies, and Carly knows they were doing it. Carly realizes they only brought beer to drink, much to her disapproval. She doesn't drink. I mean, that sounds like a camping trip. Yeah. So. She tries it anyway and gets Buzz three beers in. Sitting around, they play a game where they all tell secrets. 
Monique says she slept with her French ex-boyfriend. Boone says he's pretended to be Carly's history teacher when he called her mom. Ah, okay. He said he would be an adult chaperone, which is why she let Carly go. Gotcha. She gets mad that he lied to her mother. I can't believe you lied to my mom. Like, well, how'd you think you were going to go on this trip? Yeah, I mean, if your mom's that overprotective, like, there's no way you were going on this trip without some sort of an elaborate lie. I know. And Monique complains because she lied. Well, he lied to her, too, because he said they were going to a hotel. Ah. She had no idea they were going to a camp. Gotcha. And Carly's mad, but Paul tries to comfort her. Boone then tells him about Jason's deformed face and the hockey mask, and Carly starts to laugh in disbelief. Everyone else joins in till paranoid Albert says he hears something in the woods. What's that? What? <laughs> What's that? They ignore him and they keep partying. What they don't know is that Joe Travers, the hunter wearing Jason's mask, is poised with a shotgun just a few yards away. All right. The group doesn't leave the campfire till nearly midnight. Maul. Maul. Maul? <laughs> like Darth? Paul. <laughs> Darth Paul. There we go. Darth Paul. Walks Carly back to her cabin, but no kiss goodnight because Albert is close by. She settles in for the night, regretting drinking as she's very tipsy. Monique is already there, complaining about the cabin, but Carly gets her into a quick decorating mode, which makes everyone feel better. Meanwhile, a strange figure is quietly getting closer to their cabin, being sure to softly step so as not to be heard. Monique thinks she hears something, but they soon disregard it. Next, Monique lights up a cigarette, and I know this is Friday the 13th and she's very French, but seriously, no bueno. Teenagers. We're We're teenagers. We smoked as teenagers. Yeah, but you should be advertising it to teenagers. (laughs) It's still the 90s, you know, when we were smoking. I'm I'm still saying. Anyway. Okay, but then Monique turns on a dime and asks Carly if Carly will make fun of her for sleeping with a stuffed bear. Okay, I need to interject here because... I'm 38 years old, and I still sleep with a stuffed bear, and I don't give a shit who knows it. You know, it's a, whatever. He goes know. with me on business trips. He goes with me That's on totally vacations. That's totally fine. Nobody's, judge me. No I don't judge. Care. No judge. Carly starts to get undressed and sets a flashlight down. The beam shines on a window and right onto a man's face. Is that man wearing a hockey mask? That man is Paul. <laughs> so no. Okay. No. He just showed up to take Carly for a midnight stroll by the lake. Bow, chicka, bow. Meanwhile, in cabin six, Albert is all alone, bored, and fuming that he's by himself in the woods. Apparently, he really isn't a fan of Paul. Paul brings different girls back to their dorm room every single night, and Albert just can't get, you know, transferred to a single room. He just can't get it to transfer. I mean, I feel that. He laments that he wishes he were more like Paul, but he doesn't have the confidence. He hears footsteps approaching the cabin, embraces for the worst, but it's just Monique looking for some strange from Boone. <laughs> okay. That she's like, mm-hmm, Boone? Boone, is this you? He's not there, but Albert suggests she stay instead of wandering around the camp. She says that all chubby boys are sweet. Do the French have no tact? <laughs> <laughs> he asks if she will kiss him, and she's about to when she sees a worm on his head. Oh. He yanks it off, and it has teeth. Oh. His head is bleeding. Then he looks at his sleeping bag and legs are covered with worms. Ew. And they have eaten his flesh down to the bone. Oh, holy shit. Just a nightmare. Okay. I'm like. <laughs> he wakes up. What kind of fucking worms are these? He realizes that Monique never came to the cabin to see him, which he's disappointed. The poor guy is very lonely. He takes a sec, but then he falls back asleep. 
a worm finishes gnawing on his forehead and moves on. So there actually was a worm on him, eating on him. Elsewhere, Paul and Carly arrive at the lake and immediately start into a softcore porn scene. Paul starts getting really aggressive, trying to unbutton unbutton her blouse and whatnot, till she stops him and she's laying out on the bed of rocks. <laughs> okay. She's laying on a bed of rocks. She's like, ow, my, I, don't try to, not, like, we can't do it here, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's also because she doesn't know him very well. But, right. You know, you know, it's really uncomfortable with a bed of rocks in your back. Sure. He says, but I feel like I've known you my whole life. That's a line. Major eye roll. Ladies, that's a line. Oh my God, it's horrible. Then he suggests that they go skinny dipping. Also a line. Yes. Shaming Carly because she doesn't know how to swim. Oh, uh, yeah. Plot point. Okay. Yeah. Really good. Nice catch there. Yeah. I'm going to try to sleep with you. You know what? You're a wimp. And you know, what are you doing? <laughs> pick a, you know, yeah. pick a degree. She starts to undress but stops short. He laughs and calls her pathetic, continuing to undress himself. And he's got a ripped body. She decides to leave and he blocks her way. Then he shames her again saying that she's just like Albert, and he wasted his time on her when he should have gone after Monique. You know, blue balls apparently turn you to an asshole. Yeah, I'm like (laughs) Captain McRapey over here. I know. So she storms off, hearing him remove his pants and jump into the water. She fights the urge to to watch him. She resists, and I would have to fight it too, because, I mean, he sounds like he's gorgeous. He sounds like a total douche, though. I know, but you still want to see him. No. I would. (laughs) Walking back to the cabin, she thinks she hears someone following her in the dark. I'm not doing the noises. You're not going to do it? No. Oh. Then she can hear the person pick up speed, charging at her. She freaks and starts running. Of course, she trips and falls. Of course. Getting up to run more, she accidentally runs right into her stalker. The person is wearing a hockey mask and carrying a machete. He grabs her and brings the blade down inches from her chest and it turns out to be Boone playing a horrible joke. Okay, yeah, that's not cool. That's totally not cool. No. No. She tells him off and runs away crying. And he's just like, what? It's just a joke. People need to learn what's funny. I don't like, understand. Like, there's a time and a place. So the next Camp, morning. Camp Crystal Lake is not the place to put on a hockey mask. I know, after they just and, found out all And carry around a machete. And the saying. local freaking them out and everything? Yeah. So the next morning, Saturday, the beautiful, peaceful campgrounds is interrupted by Boone's loud-ass stereo playing heavy metal because that's fun hangout music. <laughs> I don't know why anybody plays heavy metal and thinks it's fun to listen to just to hang out and chill. It's not to me. I'm sorry. And majority of people, I would think so. I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'm not saying if it's your thing. That's yeah, fine. But I don't, I don't, I don't think, think I'd have a problem with it. I don't think that's a universal music to play for, you know, anyway. However, the names of these bands are funny. Okay. First, Motorhead. Okay. And Chainsaw Kittens. You, you know Motorhead's a real band, right? I know, but this one's called First Motorhead. Oh, First Motorhead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> First Motorhead and Chainsaw because Kittens. Because Motorhead was taken. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a band called Chainsaw Kittens. I'm sure of it. And if there's not, there needs to be. Well, I know in the show Roseanne, they had Daisy Chainsaw. They had a fake band called Daisy Chainsaw, which actually sounds like a real band name to me. Well, because Daisy Chain is actually a thing. Well, anyway. So everyone wakes up. He's, that's how he wakes everybody up, playing, blaring this music. Hey, I'm sure it's effective. Yeah. Carly's frustrated with her romance novel, and she's bitter that Paul turned out to be an asshat. She laments that Suzanne abandoned her when she got with Kyle. Then Albert wakes up, and Carly considers him, but decides he's too fat and pale, even if he is nice and lovable. I hate people. Poor Albert. Yeah. Kyle points out the sore on his head from the, quote, worm, and Albert doesn't know where it came from. 
but he says he feels like they're being watched. After Monique chooses to go canoeing over hanging out with Paul, Carly feels a little victory at his rejection. <laughs> she decides to go with Boone canoeing. And she's like, no, I don't want you. And he's just pissed off. I hope everybody just, I, I hope that like turning down Paul is the, the big thing. The big thing now. Yeah. He comes up the beach and starts doing push-ups like a douche. He watches angrily as Carly helps Albert put his lotion on his back. And then he wants to go jogging. He finds, he finds out that Carly runs track and challenges her to a race. They go off and Albert talks about how it was a mistake for him to come. And Carl says, meditation is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> to which Albert retorts, yeah, but what's the question? I was just about to ask what the question was. And I like sarcastic comments yes. like that. <laughs> Albert says he's going to go into town. He leaves, and Kyle and Suzanne are thankful to be alone and meditate on the dock. Kyle enters a Zen state. And here's a quote that I want Katie to read. Okay. A minute later, Kyle had entered what he and Suzanne called the mystical zone. In this state, it was as if one became one with the oneness of oneself. That is hard to read. Everything else vanished. All sense of body, all physical sensations, all distractions from the outside world. Kyle felt weightless, felt himself floating up into the bright blue sky. He thought he could sit here and meditate forever. And then his throat is slit by the hunter. Yep, that sounds about right. Elsewhere, Paul is showing up Carly in the worst way. He's all gloaty and peppy and she's broken down, wheezing. She's disappointed in herself for not getting close to beating him. He brags a lot and she thinks this is why gun control is a good idea. Does if she I really? Had a, yes, this is written in the book. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I know. This was all like, oh my God. She said, this is why gun control is a good idea. If I had a gun right now, I would shoot him. And I said, I'd like to point out this book was released pre-Columbine five years before, actually. Okay. That's so just, this was 94? I know. So this type of stuff isn't new. I'm just right. saying. Yeah. She gives up and tells him that he wins before ditching him and heading back to camp. Actually feeling okay with being single, capable woman. Yay, autonomy. Meanwhile, Albert is on his way to the gas station on foot and regretting the decision to go. It's a long hike from camp. Finally, he arrives back at the gas station and calls his mom, but the connection is bad and she can't hear him. She hangs up and he looks around for the gas station owner, Ned Varner, the one that they met yesterday, right, right. and determines that he must be home at, at his home up the hill, which is right around behind the gas station. Okay. Convenient. He gets up the hill and feels like something is off with Varner's place. He knocks and calls out, but there's no answer. He finds the door unlocked and goes inside. Walking through the house to find a phone, he finds N Varner's mother dead. Oh. She's all dressed up in a nice dress sitting at the kitchen table. A long-ago embalmed corpse. Oh, how very Norman Bates of him. Mm-hmm. Then Ned Varner comes home and catches Albert in the house. He charges at him with some scissors, but Albert blocks him with, with the mother's corpse. Oh, Jesus. Albert gets out and starts running back to camp. Back at camp, Paul stops running to rest a minute and thinks about how wonderful he is. Of course he does. He's also pretty pissed at Carly because a girl has never turned him down before. He plans to make up for the wasted time that night with Monique. I mean, I'm just saying this guy's a tool and he should probably get used to rejection. I mean, I'm sure he's about to die, but like... In, in people like this should probably get used to rejection. Mm-hmm. So, resting after pushing himself a little too hard, he hears a noise. Someone is coming. It's the hunter. 
He's pointing a shotgun right at Paul, and he bolts. Unfortunately, he pushed himself so hard that he cramps up, and he falls, <laughs> leaving him open prey for the killer. Elsewhere, Albert is still running, remembering all the fat jokes and horrible things people have said to him, and he's putting them all back on himself, saying the same thing to himself, like, I'm such a fat ass, I'm running, you know. He's trying to get the hell out of there. As he runs from Norman Bates, um, dead Varner. Right. <laughs> he trips and hits his head. He tripped on a white stone marker. Hmm. Ned Varner is getting closer, and Albert's ankles hurt. Then Ned stops, and Albert realizes someone is behind him. The hunter in the hockey mask. He stabs Albert in the stomach repeatedly with his hunting knife. The hunter hears a voice telling him, Good job, but there's more work to be done. As he cleans Albert's blood from his knife. Oh, sad. I was starting to like Albert. He stashed the cardboard box with whatever is in there, in a nearby hollow tree to come back for it later. Okay. At the lake, Boone and Monique are canoeing, and she's complaining of boredom. He's getting... Oh, excuse me. I I, I would be complaining of boredom as well, so... No (laughs) judgment there! It's getting dark now, and she wants to turn back. He teases her and rocks the boat a little. They kiss for a minute, and she calls him pushy. He calls her out... You know you want it. Ugh. And she doesn't deny it. Still. He asked her to do it with him, and she says, In the bottom of this filthy boat? Bitch, you look cray. <laughs> <laughs> he gets rough with her, and she says, I said no. And then she sends him flying off the boat into the water. Applause for Monique for defending herself from date rape. Yep. Okay. Just pausing for that applause for of people course. at home. She laughs, but notices he hasn't come back out of the water. Then suddenly he pops up and grabs her, banging her head repeatedly against the side of the boat. Jesus. Of course, she realizes it's not him, but sees the hockey mask. Gotcha. Okay. Boone finally does resurface to scare her a minute too late, bud. He finds Monique dead in the boat and realizes he's next. Smart thinking. Yep. Just as he grabs an oar, hockey mask jumps out of the water and Boone, swinging like a baseball bat, whacks him in the throat. Hey. It's getting dark. Carly is at camp, alone. I mean, everyone's dead that we know of, right? She's finishing a romance novel. (laughs) Because, like you do. Like you do. But she's bored. She decides to go look for the others. Walking around, she sees no one in camp until she spots Kyle and Suzanne back to back, presumably meditating on the dock. She walks all the way down before she finds that their throats are slit. She screams like hell for help, but no one answers. She starts running and remembers the cars. She's not very experienced driving, thanks to her overprotective mother. She tries Kyle's VW van first, but it has the keys locked inside. She knows she can't ride Boone's motorcycle, so she tries Paul's convertible. It unlocks, but no keys. She has to run across camp to find Paul's cabin, rummage through his stuff, and luckily finds his keys. All the while, it's getting darker outside. She rushes back to the car and frantically tries to start it, but then she notices the stick shift. She can barely drive automatic, let alone a manual car. Just as she's about to try, Hockey Mask shows up and smashes the windshield with his rifle and drags her out of the car. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. He points the gun at her face and pulls the trigger as she braces for the end. Luckily, Boone comes to her rescue, knocking into Hockey Mask and ruining his shot before the gun ran off. Boone is now riding Hockey Mask like a buckaroo bunk- buckaroo, <laughs> like a bucking bronco, and appears to be stabbing him. 
He's going to town, stabbing Hockey Mask with... I keep calling him Hockey Mask because it's easier to say. Yeah, sure. Because it's not actually Jason. Right. So he's going to town, stabbing Hockey Mask with the hunting knife till he falls down defeated. Boone explains what happened to Monique, saying that he thought he had already killed the guy back at the lake. Carly wants him to stop him again to make sure he's dead. Good thinking. Yeah. Make sure he's dead. They get on the back of Boone's motorcycle and take off, not noticing Hockey Mask's twitching fingers. And as they leave camp, they hear a second gunshot blast. Boone is now headless. Oh, bye, Boone. The, bo- the bike falls over, and Carly gets trapped underneath temporarily. She wriggles free, and another gunshot rings out. She starts running through the woods and finds Paul Sexton's body nailed to a tree by a large knife. Not a loss. No. That one she's probably like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. No time to freak out. She grabs the knife from Paul's chest. She just pulls it right out of him. <laughs> and it drops him to the ground. Now she has a weapon. Smart girl. She goes for the road, running for about 20 minutes before she sees a house in the middle of a field. As she crosses the field, she finds that there are a bunch of open graves and rotting corpses all around. Gross. A yellow mist, much like the one the hunter saw at the beginning, wraps around her ankles. She wants to turn back, but the killer comes out of the woods, headed straight for her. Carly takes off towards the house, stepping in shallow graves and crushing bones as she runs. She feels a skeletal hand grab her ankle. Hey, that's the cover. her. Exactly. The hockey mask guy is wounded from Boone's attack, but he's staggering toward her. He's still coming. She realizes it's a root that has her, not a hand. She pulls free and takes off again. But maybe it was a hand? The book says she doesn't see the hand slide. Says she doesn't see the hand slide back into earth. I don't know. It's really weird. It okay. says, literally, she doesn't see the hand slide back into the earth. So it was a hand. She so, just thinks it's a root. Yeah, so it's kind of iffy. Yeah. She dodges more graves and the gross white worms. She gets to the house, but there's no answer and the door's locked. She keeps running, back across the road, back into the woods again. She ends up at the lake, but she can't swim. Thinking of a plan, she wades out into the water, then back into the shore, so that she doesn't have any tracks left behind. Right. Then she climbs up a tree and waits. The hunter with the hockey mask follows her original tracks to the lake and looks out. Then he looks up. (gasps) Luckily, the killer appears to not see her and leaves. After a few minutes, she climbs out of the tree and goes to the opposite direction. She comes across Albert's and Ned Varner's bodies. So that guy got killed. Right. Mr. Norman Bates. Yep. If only she and the others knew of Varner Bates' light qualities. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's only... There's just a little bit extra story there. She finds the white stone marker, and then she finds the cardboard box inside the tree. She opens it and screams as she finds the severed head screaming back at her. Oh, Jesus. The head. She's here! She's here, you fool! The female head screams out. Carly drops the head, and the hockey mask hunter steps out of the woods. The head orders him to pick her up and hold her up to front of Carly. She calls Carly a slut and blames her for her son's death. Carly realizes this must be Mrs. Voorhees' head. Yeah, this is Pamela Voorhees. The head spits in Carly's face, ordering the hunter to kill her. Carly realizes she still has the knife and begins stabbing the hunter repeatedly. She has the upper hand at first, and he tackles her and smashes her her head into a rock. Then he grabs her throat and starts to choke her. She reaches up and pulls off the mask, causing the head to scream, No! The power! No! Apparently, the hunter was possessed by the mask because now he has stopped choking Carly and is confused looking. 
He falls over and dies, finally, from all the stabbing right, she had right. done to him. She gets up, staring back at the head as it stares at her. She grabs the shotgun and blasts the head, blowing at the smithereens. Then she grabs the hockey mask, the source of the hunter's invisibility. Excuse me. The source of the hunter's invincibility. Not invisibility. <laughs> he was not invisible. Invincibility. Ties it to a large rock, takes the canoe, and drops the mask into Crystal Lake. Then she realizes it's after midnight. Happy Mother's Day, she says to herself as she finally falls into the peaceful sleep in the canoe. The danger is finally over. For now. The end. Fun. It's very similar to a lot of stuff that's already happened. Yeah. And yet it's its own little story. A little more supernatural thrown in. With yeah. the head talking and everything. Well, I mean, no, that's a thing. Well, did the head talk in one of the movies? No. I didn't okay. think it did, but but still, it's, I think it's they, they had the supernatural elements when you got Jason Goes right. to Hell and everything, especially. Yeah. I mean, you had some other stuff, too, with the telekinesis of that one girl. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the first time you had Mrs. Voorhees come back. It's kind of like almost retelling the story. Sure. In a way. And I actually really liked the hunt for the car keys because um, my husband plays the Friday the 13th game all the time. And that's yeah. a part of it is like you have to find the car keys. You have to gas up the car, blah, blah, blah. So I really liked that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this Friday the 13th uh, presentation of Friday the 13th Mother's Day, which is the first book in the Camp Crystal Lake series by Eric Morse. And uh, check out the rest and look for us. Maybe a next one will be coming up the next Friday the 13th. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Dustin and Katie out. Thanks, guys. Someone wrote a whole book, but it may be too much, so we'll break it down fast, because you're in a rush. It's Dustin and Katie can brief. Dustin and Katie can brief. Word.